How's it? Much, man. How's How everybody? Oh man, doing great. Beautiful day. What's up, Justin? How's Myrtle Beach? Sunny seventy five. Sunny seventy five. Oh man, talk to me. What we got going on today? sounds positive and, and it seems kind of typical that they would have to bid it out I mean it's it isn't it a government municipal kind of thing yeah somewhat but it's just a non-profit um, Grand Strand got started through I think way back when uh, the New Deal you know was implemented and they had a lot of uh, you know different um, subsidies and stuff for farmers and rural areas you know way back during the depression that's where it kind of originated from and it's grown into uh you know a big you know water and sewer company who's bought out a lot of municipalities and taken over water infrastructure and stuff like that so um that tells you a little bit about them so it's not necessarily government some of the ways that they they do things they don't necessarily it's a long story but you know if i can just make it make sense so this one guy who i've already touched in the very beginning back in september um i think i think we've got a good shot it's just how i position it this morning you know for it to make sense because when i talked about a rfp to jason you know he's like well i don't want to do anything that will make us bias towards one company or the other and i was like jason it's not you know, RFP is not for that. It's to make sure you got all your, your I's dotted and T's crossed and you're getting the, the most for your spend. But anyway, that's just kind of kind of hitting a nutshell of layman's terms wise. Well, it also, yeah, and I would add to that, you know, the RFP, the reason why we're able to help him with some of the wording on the RFP is because we want to make sure that it that August doesn't happen and they're stuck with some mom and pop that can't afford to make the repairs and are out, you know, it, it, it's to help qualify. And I, I like to walk through some of those key things in the RFP. I don't know if that's what you're showing him to help, um, you know, to give him some wording. Is that what you're planning on doing is giving him some of those words in an RFP? 
Yeah, and yeah, absolutely. And the procurement manager was all about it, Josh Roberts. I've worked with him a good bit in the past. Oh, cool. Um, so, I mean, I've talked with the CEO. I've talked with every C-level person and then everybody on the outside of them. So I don't – and then Jason Poston's the common denominator. And really and truly, the, the, the story behind him is he's been there 28 years, he's got three left, and he don't want to go through the headache of changing over to anybody's what, what I've gathered from other people. Yeah. Not specifically towards us. He's just not happy, you know, big on change with the, you know, three years left to go through the headache. And do anybody, that's so, been, anybody that's been anywhere 28 years or whatever – is not wanting to change much at all. You know, that's a steady person. That, that behavioral style is steady. Unless he's the owner of the company or owner of the group, you know what I mean? So that's... Uh, a, I agree. That, he's an engineer. So oh, shoot. <laughs> well, you got to work with what we got, right? Yeah. Maybe it's um, maybe it's uh, emphasizing the risk of doing nothing would be important. Just a thought. Yeah, no, I I, I agree hundred um, percent. One good thing that we have is we work with Rewa up in Spartanburg Greenville, and uh, Bryce, you know, just some of the coatings because they got critical areas with with the gases and stuff eating the coils up that they've been able to show you know proven results you know in, in regards to what we can do i've got some pictures and stuff to, to show him as well so that's that's another good thing but, that sounds good i think gus you were going to say something i saw you came off a mute no i was just gonna say yeah i'm reluctant to change too I mean, it's it's hard. <laughs> that's a tough one, um, but that that sounds like a good opportunity, Justin. What you got going on today, Gus? Uh, <clears throat> today, I've got two concept meetings. My and I got my first virtual concept meeting this morning um, at nine o'clock over a Teams call. Um, with Fenner Dunlop in Livonia, who we have some history with, but this gentleman um, is is new to the organization or new to his role. Uh, he's located in Canada um, in their North American headquarters, which I believe is in Canada. Um, but he's taking over for a gentleman that we had pretty deep conversation with probably two years ago, Blake did. Uh, so we're just picking up that dialogue today to see where they're at. And, um, if he's looking to get an assessment or, or just discuss um, service in any way. He was intrigued over the phone um, when I first called him, so I set up this call. I've been trying to get to the facilities guy that we worked with, kind of their soldier over there. Um, it's been tough to get to him, so at some point, I'm sure he'll, this guy will pass the torch to Dow, who's in Bavonia. Um, to maybe facilitate an assessment and everything, but kind of starting from from where we should be starting, which is good. Just kind of have to give this guy a nice overview of what it is exactly that we're talking about and the benefits and everything. But I haven't done one over Zoom or Teams yet, so it should be interesting. 
What's his role? Is he operations? He, let me check real quick. I, I think. What, what, I'm not sure what, what do they is. do? So Fenner Dunlop, they make uh, fibers and polymers. Uh, I'm not entirely sure for what. I might have to talk to Blake before that call. Um, but, um, yeah, they're just a, a huge manufacturer out in, out in Georgia. Um, and they're really close by to a couple other opportunities that, that I'm working. Um, but yeah, so last time we went through it with them, it was all, all good up until it got to the purchasing process and went through finance and everything. And then it kind of got shut down, I think. Um, but it took Blake a while to get to this level that I'm starting at, which is good. But again, this guy is brand new in this role. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how privy he is to the history with us and, and what it is exactly that we're discussing. And then I have uh, a concept meeting later on today at Discover Fresh Foods, formerly Duke Foods. Um, and that one could be good too because they're currently, they don't have a plant manager. They're trying to fill that role. Um, so I think there is some deferred maintenance happening there at the moment. Uh, so it could be a good time to open up this conversation and discuss a contracting out over hiring maybe two or three new maintenance individuals. Um, that's where I believe that conversation will lead this afternoon. And yeah, just doing a lot of a lot of other work uh, for some verification meetings later this week uh, and trying to tie up some loose ends and close some deals. Yeah, that sounds good. I had a verification meeting yesterday. It went real well. It was at 10, uh, 10 o'clock with a manufacturer called uh, Dana. They make these um, chassis for trucks and stuff, trucks yeah. and vehicles. And um, it went really well. I think they're, what's crazy is I, I use that. Um, the carrier chart that shows if they have moderately dirty coils versus clean, oh, yeah, I use that one. clean coils. I put that in my, into my presentation. Yeah. And from, it, uh, from Fawn. it showed that 50 ton units would save them X amount of dollars. And they had 15, 50 ton units. And so I did the math on that and it was like $43,000 in savings from just cleaning the coils. Yeah. And he was like, I got more than moderately dirty. And I was like, well, I just... <laughs> and, and then the cost of a C2 was like $27,000. So I was like, the, the C2, you know, you're going to be making money. He's like, I'll be, yeah, I'll be making money if I do the C2. Because um, it's 27000 versus forty three in savings. So that was pretty neat. Yeah. But the, That's awesome. The G, and I presented a, that is awesome. a, a dynamic solution with it it was like a, a g plus is what i called it the full coverage plus dynamic insights and analytics and so i was able to uh, i changed my one page proposal around i can share it with you i changed my one page pr proposal around to show um the good option would be a c2 instead of a c3 and then the Full coverage was the better option, and the best option was where I showed um, 
the predictive maintenance aspect where they could add that on. Here, I'll show you. And I also had a, a, a second one on standby to show them uh, with, with the fans and without the fans. They had 13 exhaust fans. Can you see that? I don't know if you can see that or not. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. So if you if you scroll down to this box, I put a box around it to try to highlight it. And I, I started talking about the good program, then I talked about the better program, then I talked about the best. And basically, the good one is $27,000 a year. And I said, you know, you'll still get all the full, all the cleaning and everything, but the the all the warranty part of it is on us for the full coverage program. And that's $59,000. And then if you go with this full coverage, it's basically taking this $59,000 and adding it to the the one-time setup fee and the first year of the predictive maintenance part, which is $13,000. And then every year after that, it, it'll be $67,000 per year. And they, they really like that. They didn't, but they were currently paying $12,500. <laughs> And they were getting nothing for it except a filter change. So he was like, you know, just from a budget standpoint, I don't know that I can go from the the maintenance guy was like, I don't know that we can go from doing hardly nothing to to full coverage all the way, you know, to the other end of the spectrum like that. Um, so he said, you know, we might go with the good and then work our way into the better and then work our way into the best. I said, well, that you we could do that, too. So. Beyond, um, you know, sounds like some deferred coil cleaning and them being dirty. Was that leading to tangible pain? Like, are they having breakdowns? Um, oh, yeah. A lot of repair calls and those yeah. sorts of pain points and leading to maybe lost production or, or scrap. Oh, man, yeah. Uh, well, not lost production or scrap, no. Um, but I, I will show you this risk assessment I did. It was very powerful. And we spent the first 15 minutes going over this, which is great because it really got them engaged. Let me share this with you. Yeah, uh, I'm going to do a risk assessment for my big verification meeting on Friday. I just I found... A scattered... They have a scattered list of equipment um, in regard to age. Well, I was just... I think that... Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the beautiful thing about it. You know, I'm able to show them, okay, from a 30,000-foot level, they've got zero that are graded A, five that are Bs, 13 that are Cs, six that are Ds, and six that are Fs. And he's like, what are we Fs? What, what are the Fs? And I said, well, those are these blue ones here. When I was going through the assessment, I, these did not have compressors working or the, the switch was off on them. And they were not working at all. And he's like, really? And the, the, the maintenance guy spoke up and was like, yeah, we got six of them down right now. And so I, I was like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yep, that's what we found. <laughs> so that's not wrong. Are you, are, you, are you opening up every single piece of equipment? Yes, absolutely. Yes. But Matt, Matt, yes. Does, does that same point... Uh, did the maintenance guy get up in arms like while you were showing it? The gentleman did. It's like no. What, what was his body language and stuff? Like, he, his, he, they're just fed up with the other company. 
it, it, um, MSS has been doing it for three years, and they have a three-year contract that's up in August. And so he's just pissed. He's like, they're not doing anything proactive for us at all. They barely fix something when we tell them to fix it, and then they feel like they're getting nickel and dimed because when they come out to fix something, they might not fix it, so they got to come out again, they got to come out again and come out again. So uh, he wasn't upset at all. He was... And I told him, I said, one of the beautiful things about our startup is we're going to get everything out in the open that's not working. And he's like, oh, that sounds good because we don't know what's wrong with some of these ones that are down. We've just been stealing parts off of them and putting them on other units to keep them running. And I said, well, that's part of the startup is, is we'll come to you with a big list of everything that's wrong and we'll help you prioritize those. And then you can make a decision on what you want to fix right away what you know there might be a pulley that gets called out because it might be making a little noise but it's not broken you you could decide to not fix things right now but once it's broke and we need to fix it then you'll be able to be under full coverage with that part or that unit once we make those repairs and he's like oh that's yeah that sounds reasonable i, I say well, it's kind of like a pre-existing condition right you know we can't walk in there and assume all these repairs and all these compressors that are down but We'll work with you and help you get them back up and going. I think that's a really powerful <clears throat> kind of caveat of the startup meeting and something I'm also trying to um, describe in the verification is that they're, they're essentially getting, you know, a free full-blown LSBA, like service building analysis or assessment with the startup too. Like we're doing a deep dive bringing them a, a full report of what exactly is wrong and they can kind of pick and choose, you know, what repairs they want done, if they want any done, and then go from there. Um, so not only are they, you know, they're getting an assessment too, um, which I think is powerful and a lot of, something that a lot of places haven't had in years. Yeah. So I agree. Yeah. Um, just the way you position that too, Matt, you know, like we'll do the startup got a list of everything that's down you know and then we right. can work in phases to get it sure back up i mean if that doesn't give somebody a peace of mind i don't i don't know what will right you know, well, so you know to to gate and spend hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars or whatever right out the gate hey you take your time and sure up what you can and this other stuff's guaranteed you know that is working i mean it doesn't get any better than that and then that test and spec happens quarterly then to moving on, moving forward. You know, they're essentially getting four deep diagnostic sessions a year, you know, when we're coming to them with, with continued suggestions and findings, um, which I think, you know, is, is all wrapped up in that cost. And I think that's powerful. That's, that's a good way to position that. On, on my little slides here, um, I changed where it says physical assessment, and then it normally says uh, financial assessment. I changed that to predictive maintenance, and I said, you know, I don't have all of your fine. I don't have all your financials. All I've got are, are some power bills. So I'm going to show you this whole predictive maintenance toward the end of the presentation, and then I've got a recommendation for you, and we could co-author a scope if it makes sense, and then agree upon next steps and. Then I, I hit hard again about link service. They said, this is what makes us different. I want to make sure you understand that this whole link service franchise, that's our that's our number one differentiator. And I'll share more about that as we go on. 
you might recognize this slide. I took it from phone. I you know and talked about their their three different um, objectives. Yeah, I love that slide. And how we're right here at the verification meeting. You know, we're not trying to. I'm just sharing with you what I found, and and then I talked about the equipment life. And this is where I pulled out the one page proposal, and I pulled out. Um, and I, I went over the one page proposal and once I finished going over that, I said, I'd like to set that aside now, now that you know the pricing, I said, I'd like to get the pricing out front. So you know all about it. I said, I want to put that aside and share with you this. And I whooped out the printed, um, uh, risk assessment on 11 by 17 paper. And I said, now I want to share with you this. And, and so all the attention, you know, they acknowledge the pricing. It's all good. And we moved right on in real quickly to the risk assessment, which, you know, shocks them and how detailed it is and how, how colorful it is. I think it's a very powerful tool. And then I, I, I read it. I went into like why we're doing this. And, uh, you know, we're doing this maintenance so that you don't have to replace all those 24 year old units and spend $3.6 million. Do you guys have $3.6 million to spend today on this stuff? Because if you continue the way that you're going, You've got six out of 12 that are down, uh, you know, and they were like, no, we don't have a plan. <laughs> so we walked through that. And if you notice, I took uh, Fawn's slide and condensed it. Like I combined two of them. I put this up here in the corner with the 13 package units and talked about the fans and how those are important to the positive and negative pressure of the room. And then I talked about the grading scale, how I came up with those grades. Um, and then I, I shared with Fawn this yesterday. I said, we really need these two slides. This one right here talks about our C2. And it really helps explain how we're going to do all the preventative maintenance and all the cleaning. But when it comes time to trouble calls and, and repairs, you guys would pay for those. But on this program right here, the full coverage, it's like an insurance policy. You can budget exactly each month what you're going to spend. And, and we assume those risks for the compressors. And I said, those compressors are what, like $15,000 in those 50-ton units? And they're like, yeah, they're real expensive. I said, well, just imagine not not worrying about that and not worrying about POs and not worrying about having to you know wait five days for a PO on a unit that's down. We can move right into action. Uh, and, and this works for areas where it's more critical. And, and then I call it a photographic study. I said, I'd like to just share with you guys a, a, you know, what I call the photographic study because it's more than just photos. And I go into, you know, we started off at, at, at number four. This one was missing a filter altogether. The filter was gone. And I said, well, yeah, that causes these coils to be dirty. Look at how dirty these coils are. And they were like, oh, man. Um, the belt was belt just, is loose. The belt just flapping, flapping, flapping. Look at the, the teeth there. The yeah, teeth are so bit off. Bad. You know, they're waiting until the teeth are so low before they replace them. I mean, that's that's drastically affecting the airflow in the building. And we went on to talk about, you know, not only on, on number four was this cover off of the louvers. I mean, this is a big deal because how do we know these louvers are working, bringing in this fresh air from outside when it's 55 degrees in the morning? 
this tells me these things are probably not all working correctly. And the VP was like, what do you mean? That that cover was off of that? And you could just see the, the motherboard there? And I was like, that's right. That's what I found. And see how dusty that is? I said, I don't think those louvers are working. And if, they're, if they are working, they hadn't been cleaned. But that's supposed to be bringing in that fresh air so that you don't have to cool it in the mornings and when it's 55 degrees. But what I... One key thing I wanted to show you guys is in each corner I'm putting, you know, I copied and snipped the number, like number 11. And so they can see, uh, like here, I, I kept the number in the corner. I said, this one was off when we got to it. It was off altogether. That's why I put it as an F that told me that the electrical is not working on it. Then we went to number 10. I found these screws. I said, that's not a major deal, but when this wind blows and this screw rolls onto this expensive roof and somebody steps on it, I said, that's an expensive repair, a couple thousand dollars at least, not to mention it dropping water onto your finished product. I said, check out these. Three out of the four compressors were down. And so why is that important? Well, when it's July and you think it's working, it's really producing at 25% of the coolant. So we went on and on and on. But when you asked, you know, did I open up each piece of equipment? Yeah. And I really like to do that, especially, I mean, it's only 15 units, you know, 15 package units. But to be able to put this number in the in the top corner is why I do it, because I'm able to walk them through the order that I walked them through. And it, it's a powerful because I'm not just showing 12 pictures of dirty coals. I'm showing... You, you, you know, when I went to this unit, I found this. When I went to this unit, I found this. And when I went, and it, you know, do we see a trend here? <laughs> uh, and this is that powerful slide that I told you about where I said, you got 50 ton units. It's costing you $7,900 when they're moderately dirty. If they're clean, it's costing you 24, I mean, 2930. So, no, excuse me, it's costing you 5000 the savings is twenty nine thirty per unit. You've got fifteen units, so that's forty three grand in savings just from cleaning the coils if they're moderately dirty. And he's like, "Well, these are mo these are more than moderately dirty." <laughs> so anyway, I could go on and on and on, but that's why I open up each piece of equipment. I hear you. Yeah, it's that's something I I'd like to do. Um, just takes a lot of time, but yeah, it definitely there, there's value in, in opening all of them. This big one on Friday, I have um, our technician Chris did an LSBA for them as well, which they asked for, um, and he he opened all of them obviously, and, and he also gave us some findings too. Um, but yeah, that that's good. And Justin, you remember when we were? But it's just like. Go ahead. Yeah, that's that's what I was about to talk about. Like at Hotel, there are so many. If you go through every piece of equipment, like Matt did with Hotel, it's just like where the server was in one room, and they had a vent coming down, and then a mini split in there to cool the server. I mean, it was just fighting against each other. And had he not gone through, you know, you know every area, you know that 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 was a key thing that that could have been missed, and it was huge. Like that guy. Anyway, Matt, you can talk about well, it. That's right. Just, it, this man, is the same thing. This is the exact same thing, Justin. You know, I actually copied and pasted this exact wording that I used for Hope Health. Like, I, here's the mini split, and here's this unit putting out heat. 
So in, in the winter, all you know, half of the year, talk about energy efficiency. Half of the year, you've got this putting out heat, and you've got this trying to cool it. And by the way, this was out of battery, so it's not talking with your control system right now. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got to go up there and throw some batteries in it. <laughs> but, and then I rolled into the predictive stuff. But I, let me show you this. This is something I did recently that I love. Uh, I took all of our manufacturing companies and put them on this next to my last slide. And I... This is the first time I've done it, but it's perfect because I was talking to a manufacturing facility and I was like, I'd be happy to hook you up with any one of these folks if you want to talk to them about our services and what we do and, and how we're different. But, you know, it, HVAC is critical for the environment for manufacturing facilities. And these are all the manufacturing in this area that we take care of. You might recognize some of these here in Lugolf is what I said. And then I end on this side. This is the best one that I end. And I end it by saying, you know, we've got 100 technicians, but you're going to get one primary and one secondary so that every time you have a problem, one person shows up that knows what's going on. And there's not a lot of finger pointing. And then I say, I'd like to just open it up for questions. So that's that was what happened yesterday. I think it's awesome. I've never seen a, you know, just... From, from my experience, even some of the verifications meetings I've been on with Ann, these maintenance guys get pretty abrasive about, you know, people taking pictures and stuff, you know, and I mean, it was, it, it was pretty cool to, that guy was, you know, bought in, you know, versus, well, you know, they what, get what abrasive. They get real abrasive if I'm like trying to fix things. Like, I'm just trying to help is what I try to come across as like very consultative you know not not um i'm just here to you know walk around and get a couple model numbers and serial numbers and take a few pictures of just to to find out the condition of the equipment that's the way i say it i just need to get a couple pictures of the model numbers and serial numbers i mean they don't know that i'm going to do all this with it um and so that whole thing of like you know the way our program works is i've got to get model numbers and serial numbers to put it in for pricing into our software as part of the franchise. We put the model numbers and serial numbers in, it spits out a price. We're not shoot, you know, shotgunning from the hip, but also at that, at that moment, I'm gonna be looking at the overall condition of the equipment just to try to see where we are, kind of like a state of the union. And a lot of times they're like, man, that sounds great. I have never had that done before. <laughs> so it, if they come across abrasive, maybe we're coming across as too Sally or two um here i'm trying to fix stuff for you just a thought i agree i agree 100%. a lot of time i feel like these guys you know they're, they're stretched pretty thin too and a lot of manufacturing entities i speak with like their teams have been cut in a third and a half and they're not getting you know budget to backfill those positions or they can't find good people so contracting out is now becoming you know a much more attractive option a lot, I mean, I haven't really run across too many abrasive maintenance folks quite yet, um, just because they're asking for help a lot of times. They just, it's just a matter. It's a matter of can they get the money from above, and you got to get to above. Um, but they they seem pretty open to having some help um, most of the time. You know, I, uh, it's not every time, but yeah. All right, fellas, what's well, about that time? Oh, shoot. Yeah. I hope y'all 
y'all boys have a good day. Yeah, man. You, you too, too, Justin. Good to see have y'all. Have a good day. Yep. We'll talk tomorrow. All right, guys. See you. See you.